to another exciting episode of Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and as you may have noticed, Rob is off this week, but I have with me a very special guest. My co-host today is a Hollywood movie producer and actor known for such films as Margin Call, All is Lost, Beauty Mark, and Changeland, and he's the only person I know with a Christmas tree entirely decorated with Firestorm action figures. Folks, please help me welcome the man with the atomic punch, Mr. Corey Musa. How you doing, buddy? Woohoo! Hi, Shag. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a real thrill. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Corey reached out to me. He, he wanted to get in touch because he was a massive Firestorm fan. He sends me a picture of his Christmas tree as like his credentials and is literally covered with Firestorm action figures. It was amazing. Do you put that up every year? Is it a year-round kind of thing? You know, I do something different actually every year. Firestorm gets a kind of different display in the, the Christmas world. Um <laughs> I had this whole display one year where he was leading the reindeer on this journey to <laughs> Santa Claus like was absent from this scene because clearly Firestorm was filling in. Well, uh, right. So, yeah, no Firestorm plays along for all the holidays. You know, it's good for Easter. He's good for Halloween. Firestorm. Perfect. Now he could light all of the candles on a menorah as well. I mean, he's got so so versatile that guy. No, he definitely can light the candles on the menorah. Firestorm is one hundred percent our our Jewish superhero. Exactly um, right. We got okay. Professor Stein, and and besides perfect. the flaming hair, works out perfect. <laughs> Flame on. Right. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Try it again. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, the heat is on. There the it is. is awesome. The so, folks, Corey, as we said, is uh, Mr. Big Hollywood Guy. And so we got riffing on what we could talk about. We thought, you know what? Why don't we talk about all of Firestorm's appearances on television? I don't think we've ever really done that on an episode where they kind of gone through all of them and compared them and contrasted them. And, and this was a perfect opportunity. So, Corey, my first question for you, though, is what is your origin story with Firestorm? How did you find the character? 
What made you fall in love with him? Uh, well, growing up in uh, South Florida, I, you know, had the privilege of uh, afternoon cartoons and morning cartoons. And Super Friends was always running. And this became my favorite show. I was so excited before I had to go to school every morning or whatever we were doing. Like I could catch some episode of Super Friends. And then when I got home after school, I could sit there and I could eat some like cookies and I could watch another episode <laughs> of Super Friends. And then on a Saturday morning, all of a sudden there was a new episode of Super Friends. And this was really interesting to me. And all of a sudden, you know, I see the opening credits for this, this new season of Super Friends and Firestorm is given this ridiculous introduction, as you know, where they're really just, re- I mean, it might as well have been called Firestorm and his atomic friends. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was just, he was so interesting and he was so cool. And I knew Saturdays was the only time that I could see Firestorm. I knew Monday through Friday that was non-Firestorm. So it was like really, really special to me on Saturday mornings when I got to see him. And, you know, I just fell in love with this guy. He had so much personality compared to all of the other characters, I think, on the show at the time. Did you see the first episode when it aired the first time? Yeah, I saw that one live. That means you and I fell in love with Firestorm on the same day at the same time. Ah, amazing. September 8th, 1984 was a red letter date in history, folks. September 8th, 1984. What a magical day it was. It was. So how long did you stay with the character? So at what point did you make the the leap from cartoons to either action figures or comics or whatever? Um, Well, the action figure was pretty simultaneous. I'm pretty sure, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but when that cartoon came out, it was basically a giant commercial for the Superpowers line, action figures. Yeah, I I think, oh boy, I I may be speaking out of turn here. There's so many action figure fans that know better than me, but I want to say he was in wave two. So I think he would have come maybe in 85, actually. Uh, Oh, gee, someone's Uh, right now. The second season of the Super Friends uh, Superpowers cartoon where they introduced Cyborg. Anyway, those action figures, which are the coolest action figures in the world, the Kenner line um, from, you know, the 1980s. And I had the Firestorm one when I was a kid. That was like, my parents took me to Toys R Us. Like, I could never forget this. Uh, The Toys R Us seemed enormous to me. I felt like I was in the most gigantic place in the world. It was filled with all of the coolest, sparkly things I had ever seen. And then we got to like the action figure aisle. And there was this ridiculous wall. I mean, I remember it clearly of of Kenner Superpowers action figures, all of them hanging on the wall, just there. Anybody can grab them. And I remember looking immediately for Firestorm, which uh, I don't think was much of a problem. Uh, when, when his character <laughs> came out, he was just available. He was there. And yeah, he was in wave two. I think you're right. He was yeah. wave two. So he would have come out like slightly later than the first like eight figures came out um, or whatever. Please, nobody get angry at me if I don't know the exact details of the Kenner line. But I am. <laughs> Um, so there was that first, which actually kept Firestorm with me in some kind of strange way until I got a little bit older. Because I was pretty young, I guess, in 1984, I would have been six years old. Okay. So Firestorm kind of stayed in my pocket a lot. And then when I finally got a little bit older... 
that's when I became aware of like comic book stores mm-hmm. and not just like, you know, I, I was aware of comic books on the rack at my local grocery store or wherever else, but like going to an actual comic book store was something else. And there was this place where I grew up, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale and there was this comic book store at the time called the comic exchange. And they had this whole building next door to the building that they were in. That was basically just empty. Maybe the landlord and like the strip mall they were located and just let them use it. But they basically put all their overstock in there. Oh, and wow. It was like where their 25 cent bins were. So it was oh. like this whole other store next to the main store where there were just endless boxes with 25 cent comic books in it. And this is how I amassed my collection of everything. But, you know, to my delight, these boxes were filled and filled with all of Firestorm's appearances. And I systematically went through the boxes and I tried to uh, get every single one. I definitely had that problem uh, where I was trying to like match up uh, issues from the original Firestorm, like four issue series and the then the ongoing one that started in 1978. Uh, there was confusing times that happened. <laughs> I was trying to assemble the story because I couldn't find every issue of the 25 cent. And that took me a little bit more time to like put together. And I definitely had issues of Firestorm in his elemental uh, appearances. Nice. Uh, my collection without actually having the episodes that marked like the story and how that had happened. And I was just so confused. Like, and I would go through like, they they had like in the main store, like a Firestorm section where I could go through and look at those other issues in their bags. I just didn't pick them up because they weren't 25 cents. Sure, right. And I did it. I just wanted to know. I would only look at the covers because they were all bagged and sealed. So I couldn't open them up and like, why is he regular on issue something like, I don't know, 86, but then he's an elemental on issue 88. I don't understand. Yeah, I went crazy. I, I got really confused. And then, you know, I had a hard time spotting him. I remember getting like really excited when the series War of the Gods came out. Mm. Uh, George Perez, a uh, Wonder Woman thing, because it was like this weird event where Firestorm was back all of a sudden. And he really only appeared on a few pages. And they absolutely, it's like he was with Stein in War of the Gods. Mm-hmm. And he should not have been at Stein with this time. They should have been completely separate. So uh, I have no idea what was going on with Firestorm at that time. <laughs> I think he was supposed to actually be trapped in space at that point, if I remember. I think his series was over. But yeah, it was right. definitely his a confusing series, time. The series was like over. He would have been trapped in space. And, um, you know, I, I let it go for the most part. After that, I, I just kept an eye out for whenever he would be appearing in anything. And I, I always... I always made sure I knew what he was doing uh, <laughs> in, until he tragically was taken away. And so meaninglessly. Oh, uh, we're talking about identity crisis. Gotcha. Okay. We are. We are. We we can end that conversation now. But like, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I've, I've always followed the character. Um, and that character is what really opened the door to all of the other characters in DC Comics, which I, you know, I adore everything. But he was my entry point into to everything beyond uh, the cartoon, beyond those superpower cartoons at the beginning. Awesome. Just looking for him. I just always wanted him to appear on, you know, anytime there was anything like happening a new cartoon a new dc movie a television series i'm like oh maybe firestorm will be on maybe maybe it'll be firestorm and ah 
I was like, keep dreaming, Corey. Well, you got your wish once in a while. And we're going to, and that's the nice thing about this episode is we're going to talk in depth about that. Now, before we get too much further, though, I do need to take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Now, the one I picked, I picked a, a trade paperback called Green Lantern Circle of Fire trade paperback. And this collects that Circle of Fire storyline. Now, it was a Kyle Rayner storyline storyline from the 90s and it featured uh, all these one shots including Green Lantern and Firestorm which is where one of the Green Lanterns goes off to this planet and they meet the elemental Firestorm and it's uh, you find Professor Stein's involved in that and so it was one of the few chances we got a chance to see Firestorm during that that 90s era between the end of Firestorm and the beginning of Extreme Justice. So there are lots of writers on this thing including Judd Winnick and Brian K. Vaughn cover arts by Daryl Banks and Kevin Nolan the book's full color it's a soft cover normally retails for $39.99 but you can get it right now for 42% off, so it's only $23.19. If you've never read Circle of Fire, it's a good read, especially if you like Kyle Rayner and you're, you know, you want to check out Firestorm in that era. Now, Corey, did you happen to bring a pick to talk about? I did bring a pick, Shag. Um, and as I was going through InStockTrades.com, I was kind of disappointed to see their selection of Firestorm was a little limited. That's a DC Comics problem. Not InStockTrades carries everything. It's DC's fault for not having it in print. Love InStockTrades.com. DC, you should really have more Firestorm. Firestorm in print. Um, no, and I actually thought of recommending more of the gods, but I was like, you know, he's not so prominently in that. So I thought because this episode is about me and Firestorm and you, I would talk about one of the properties or comic book properties that I actually have produced with my production company in the past. Whoa. Um, so this book is called Mr. Murder is Dead. This was a book that I put together with Zachary Quinto uh, and my other partner, Neil Dotson. And the writer of this book's name is Victor Keenage. Um, and this was the first book that we published with the company Archaea Studio Press, um, who has now become Boom Studios. Um, and let me just read the description here for you of what this is. There's been a murder. Mr. Murder is found dead. Old Gould Kane, long into his retirement as a top cop, looks to be the number one suspect with a motive so deep and intense, even Gould's old partner suspects him. But the truth is... Is. Gould's the only cop worth, worth a damn to solve the cryptic case. The clues could lead Gould to a new and perhaps even greater profession in his twilight as a very bad man. Mr. Murder is Dead is a who didn't do it set in the fading world of golden age comic strips, a criminal lament to all things past, present, and meaningless. Um, I had so much fun making this book. The artist is uh, Brent Schoonover, who some of your listeners might know. He did an amazing job. This is really um, a, a love letter to Dick Tracy in a lot of ways. And I think it's a fantastic book and it's available here on InStockTrades.com. Uh, you can get this, the hardcover version. It was 19.95, but on InStockTrades.com, you save 30% and your price you're left with is $13.96. That is a steal. So check out Mr. Murder is Dead on InStockTrades.com. That sounds absolutely amazing. And I didn't even realize you had any involvement with these sort of comic books. So this is fantastic. I, I, I've got to check this out now. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad you plugged that. 
Sure. No, it's it's great. I have other comics I would like to plug in the future. And, you know, hopefully you'll all see these these books um, on the big screen at some point, too. Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be fantastic. So if you don't suck today, I might invite you back and then you have a chance to pl- plug other books. So there oh, you go. That would be great. Hey, no problem. I'm, I like being generous. So um, I also need to thank you folks at home for your help with your sponsorship through Patreon. Because, you know, running the network with so much hosting and, and digital services requires, uh, unfortunately, a, a lot of cash. And the prices continue to go up. And about a year ago, we asked for your help. And you guys stepped up and really helped us out. And I can honestly say, without your help with Patreon, we would not still be on the air. So uh, if you get a chance, please check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash fwpodcast. And consider supporting the Firewater Podcast Network. And a certain sponsorship tiers, you'll get mentioned on your favorite Fire and Water shows. Just like these folks who chose to support Aquaman and Firestorm show. So our thanks to Robert Lewis, Jason Pope, Jay Campbell, Kevin Culp, Adam Ackerman, Philip Rutledge, David A. Scudieres, and Gord Tolton. Again, folks, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Now, here we go, folks. We are getting into the meat of this. We This is where we're going to talk about Firestorm as he was represented on television. I'm sad to say we can't say how he's represented in film because that hasn't happened yet, but we're going to talk about TV. We're going to talk about cartoon, live action. We're going to focus on his four primary TV appearances. We'll outline those as we go. We're going to skip the video games for now. We're going to skip some of the real minor cameos. We'll reference those. Right now, we're going to focus in on the big ones. So why don't we get started right here? Super Friends, 1984 to 1985. Super Friends, the, the most confusing titles ever. Super Friends, <laughs> the legendary superpower show, followed by the superpowers team, Galactic Guardians. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, Firestorm reveals his secret identity. He is two people in one. But how is that possible? Ronald is with me in my laboratory when one of my molecular fusion experiments exploded. Since then, we've been able to fuse into the form of Firestorm. All we have to do is concentrate and... Amazing. And while I, Ronald Raymond, control Firestorm, Professor Stein guides me telepathically. You can't see or hear him, but the professor is always at my side. Perhaps you should demonstrate your powers, Ronald. Uh, Good idea, Professor. As Firestorm, I can pass through solid objects. Or change the molecular structure of inanimate objects, like uh, turning this into a... A bouquet of plastic flowers. Are you, Wonder Woman? Oh, I thank you, Firestorm. And on those shows, we had Firestorm and Ronnie Raven, was played by Mark L. Taylor, and Professor Martin Stein was played by Olin Sewell. So, you've told me your introduction to the series, so tell me your thoughts on this version of Firestorm. Uh, you know, this to me is always going to be the quintessential version of Firestorm. Uh, this is who I think of. These are the voices that I hear in my head when I read the comic books, for better or for worse. You know, I, I, I think these are actually really well done versions, even though they're like very kind of early prototypes of, of what this character could be. These shows are magical. These shows were something wondrous to behold for me because they were the new ones. They were the new Super Friends episodes. I don't know how long of a lag there might have been between like the last Super Friends series before the legendary Superpowers show. But so when this came out, I just thought like, this was the coolest thing. This is so brand new. And like I was saying before, like when you put Firestorm next to any of these other characters, uh, he kind of shined. Like he had so much more personality than you were kind of used to seeing. He was doing some very specific things, not to mention he was like omnipotent. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I'm glad you mentioned personality, because on the Super Friends, while I love the characters, their personalities were pretty much interchangeable, other than maybe Gleek and the Wonder Twins and stuff like that, the, the junior team. But for the most part, most of the regular characters, they weren't all that different from each other. They had different voices, sure, but they're, you could have took Batman's lines and gave them to Superman a lot of times. Whereas Firestorm came in and had a very distinct personality. Uh, he, you know, he had the, the strong teenage personality. He had the sort of fatherly figure personality. And, and they gave him a great introduction, too. You know, he, in the opening episode, uh, The Bride of Darkseid, he swoops in and basically punks all the uh, super friends. Like, they are all trying to catch criminals and failing miserably. And he, stopped, he flies in and uh, stops the bad guys and, and shows up Wonder Woman, Superman, and Black Vulcan. So it's a right. great introduction to the character. You're like, man, this guy's cooler than all of them. He must be amazing. And he had, like, a sense of humor. I mean, for me, he was Peter Parker. Um, yes, yes. Essentially. Like, he, he, and that was kind of missing from uh, the DC side of, of those characters in the, in the Saturday morning kind of world. Here he was, and he, he was all full of fun and had smart and original things to say. And he was turning, you know, he was turning um, objects into, like, things with fun personality. Like, he had a sense <laughs> of humor about it. It was, you know, cotton candy and uh, jelly beans and whatever else he had going on. It was just so interesting. And I guess what what happened with the Super Friends was this is the year uh, that they decided to bring in all the Kirby stuff. Yeah. So we go into all of this um, uh, fourth world stuff and Firestorm makes a lot of sense to bring onto the team. You know, you, you have a lot of moments with uh, Batman and Robin where it's just like, yeah, how are you guys dealing with this space travel? How's that happening like, uh, firestorm or it's like they always have to be dragged along by green lantern or something but firestorm made sense he could be up there he could fly into space with superman it was no problem and he could take on you know dark side he can take on those o- omega beams um so he kind of helped just usher in all of those new characters, I think. And, and you make a good point, too, about his power level sort of on par with the fourth world people. And they, they did um, a pretty accurate job actually representing his powers on the show. I mean, they had they gave him flight, they gave him his uh, intangibility, they gave him the transmutation, and they gave him the ability to, to uh, absorb energy and blast it back out. So in general, I mean, if you look at Firestorm's ability, sure, you could sit there and nitpick and go, yeah, he's got other stuff, too. But for the most part, those are, those are the big powers. And uh, I thought they did a good job of getting it out there. Yeah, he kind of did everything to me i was like he felt a lot like all the superheroes in one yes and and a little bit of yeah as a kid i think maybe that's what i was attracted to the the wish fulfillment pretty much just kind of he can make anything and and at the time on the cartoon i didn't really see it but in the comics you know we know the limitation there was yes he can make anything but it's in the powers of a dumb jock who's going to be impulsive and make bad decisions and that's why it works because you've got you know ronnie making mistakes now he i noticed he did make mistakes in these episodes you know he he flirted horribly and clumsily with wonder woman he's so funny with him she's like such a marm with him and she's you know the voice coming out of her it like doesn't even match like the 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 silly costume on her and she's just like almost talking to him like how could you even think of me like that right like (laughs) you're walking around in a bathing suit lady i mean come on (laughs) um yeah no but they they like make no mistake setting up that he's a kid and these are all adults and uh he's really relatable i felt like uh this that was i could see myself you know on the superpowers team uh with with all of these guys that was that would have been me i would be um this little kid kind of goofing around and making puns and bad jokes and they'd all be like oh come on we have to be serious and we have to save the world and and you need to not be so jokey well he fit the role quite
quite well, just like when Jerry Conway brought him to the JLA. He was very different for the JLA at the time, too. In fact, they echo a moment. Um, when they ask Firestorm to join the Super Friends, and I only know this because I rewatched it recently, they ask him to join the Super Friends. He, he leaps up in the air and does this flying, like, cartwheel almost. Right. Not cartwheel, right. but loop. And that, he did almost exactly the same thing when they invited him to join the JLA. So it's just, it was nice. It felt like that was a little bit true to the spirit of Firestorm. Um, the, I, I think one element that's really missing, probably, in this version of Firestorm is Ronnie and the Professor don't have any real conflict. They're pretty much on the same page with everything. I mean, the Professor might have to say, hey, Ronnie, don't be a bonehead. Don't don't flirt with Wonder Woman. But it's it's never in a negative Characters way. Characters are pretty sweet to each other. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie is like not so much a dumb jock in this as he's like a dumb kid. Uh, like a sweet, dumb kid who means well and sometimes needs help, which, you know, is the point. And Professor Stein then is always there to help him. They do not get into the conflict. No, they, yeah. I didn't even realize there was conflict. This was my first introduction when I, right. when I got into the comics and had got into some darker things and Professor Stein at, at one point having like a drinking problem. And yep. I was like, uh, this is, this is not the Martin Stein that I saw in the super friends. <laughs> Along those lines, they didn't even touch on their origin. Really. They just briefly mention it. Uh, it turns out Professor Stein is a teacher or a professor at Fairmont university. And at first, they're a little unclear whether Ronnie's a college kid or a high school kid. I think at the end of the day, he's a, a high school kid who was hanging out at the college is what it works out. But they just casually mention that Ronnie was in Stein's lab when a, mo- a molecular fusion experiment exploded. So, uh, you know, shame on you, Professor Stein, for not taking safeguards there. But uh, so that's apparently how they formed Firestorm. It's a very different origin than what we're used to. It uh, was just a simple, clear and quick origin, right? They, yeah. they fit it into like a sentence and a couple of like funny panels of animation and you got the whole story you got everything you needed to know yeah and uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember if they had to be physically together to transform. And I'm just thinking about from a power perspective. I know in the comics, you know, they could one of them could be across town or even you know on the other side of the world, and they'd still be able to transform into Firestorm. I think they had to be together here because basically because they always use that same animation where they. Could... Know, there was an episode um, I remember particularly this one episode that I was kind of obsessed with called like the Return of the Dinosaur Aids or it, it's like they're on this island and. This is an episode where where um, Stein and Raymond are are apart, so oh, okay. they're not Firestorm, and they can't turn into Firestorm because uh, the professor went missing with like Batman, and now Wonder Woman, Ronnie, and I think Apache Chief are exploring this island looking for them, and you find out they've all been turned into dinosaurs. Uh, of course, <laughs> by, they have the Dino Gun, <laughs> which was like awesome. I've always wanted the dinosaur versions of the characters and you never you saw like a dinosaur wonder woman and a, um, oh my a dinosaur gosh batman but you never saw a dinosaur firestorm because they just had a dinosaur like but that you saw a dinosaur professor stein <laughs> <laughs> and new from kenner <laughs> <laughs> exactly i was waiting i was waiting for that one you know i always used to pretend with my my kenner toys i got the i i was very excited and i got the clark kent uh, mail away figure nice. and then i just decided that clark kent was Professor Stein. And <gasps> oh, that works really well with those glasses. That's a good idea. 
Yeah, I mean that's definitely if you were gonna if you were gonna custom make a, a Professor Stein for Kenner style, that would be a good piece to use. But um, I mean, it's essentially the same outfit. Like Stein has more of a receding hairline in the uh, in the cartoon than, than Clark Kent does, but it's a pretty similar uh, suit. <laughs> that that's like. fan- oh man, that's fan- I wish I had thought of that. Oh, that is brilliant. I, I did like uh, how they tried to show the characters separately, like you know, because again, you, you you almost never saw Superman, Batman, anybody care in their in their secret identity but firestorm you know at least that first season they really tried to show stein and ronnie separate a lot and uh, it was always nice to see that it was like another element that made him feel special yeah i mean that he just stood out it's like look at this guy always taking up so much of the story just just by standing there and the uh, w- when they would merge together, you know, there was that cool effect where you would see each of them, and it went kind of digitized. And so, like to me, I always thought, like, okay, clearly it's now 1984. Technology's moved forward a little bit. They're trying to use a little bit of computer animation, and, and they probably spent a lot of money on that, which is maybe why we had to see that same exact transformation scene every episode. <laughs> every episode, and I remember thinking it was really cool. <laughs> I still think it's really cool. <laughs> All right, so we we got to talk about his look all right so if you think about your classic firestorm look and i want to do this as we go through each one of these shows here so how do you feel like he falls on the costume front oh the costume on uh, the superpowers i think is great i think that was like a real representation of how he he looked in the comic book at the time i mean his flame was a little smaller it was like a plastic helmet like his flame was off. Okay. Yeah. So his flame was off. <laughs> they used to drive me nuts. It's the only reason I bring it up. It would drive me nuts because it's it's perfectly shaped. It never moves. It's all one solid piece. And it, it looks like he's wearing a fire shape, at least in the first season. Looks like he's wearing a fire shaped helmet. Now in, in the Galactic Guardian season, they did actually make it flames that kind of sort of moved. It looked I more think, like wavy it looked more like wavy hair, but I think there was a problem. Um I feel like I read about this at some point. There's a there was a problem with the network with the, like whoever was in charge not wanting his head to actually look like it was on fire. I'd believe like, that. Yeah. It, it, so they had to actually make it look a little more. Not, I mean, they had to specifically make it not really look like it was on fire. <laughs> well, they didn't want little Corey Musa to try to try and emulate that. So I totally understand. Oh, and I would have. I would have. <laughs> I had a big can of Aquanet that I would have just. <laughs> and folks, he had the puffy sleeves and he had the shoulder pads, which is perfect. Yes, it was a, it was a really excellent representation of Firestorm, I think, as far as, again, in, with the exception of the hair. Uh, I think it looked great. And you see lots of the floating head of Professor Stein as well. Floating um, head is great. That's yeah. like my, my floating head right there. You know, like, ah. Uh, it's always that, a good way to gauge you know, Firestorm quality. D- definitely. You need, it's like if you understand how to respect the floating head in, you know, your version of Firestorm, you you hit something. You hit something special. So questions for you. All right. Voice acting for both Ronnie and the professor. Again, uh, Mark Taylor and Olan Soul. What do you think? Um, Mark Taylor is, I, I mean, I, I said it earlier, he's just the voice I hear in my head when I hear Firestorm. Uh, I know he has like a a big TV, a rich TV career. And Olan Soul, it's always confused me because it was like, is that Batman or is that <laughs> Professor Stein? And that was kind of the problem I had with that. It's like, he didn't even try to sound like a different person between playing those two different characters. <laughs> well, if I remember, and I may be remembering this wrong, I want to say 
that the reason they switch Olin Soul to Professor Stein, because I think that's the season where um, I think Adam West came back as Batman. Yeah, but you're right. There's no difference. I mean, clearly, it, there may be a little bit of delivery just because he's not. Tr- no, you know, there's probably not any variation. He still sounds like Batman. You're right. <laughs> it's still like that is still Martin Stein's voice to me, kind of. Uh, so I, I love these. This is quintessential Firestorm viewing. And, and they were the first ones. So it's hard to and they were the only ones for like, what, another 20 years or so, too. So it's hard to not acknowledge them as being the, you know, the longest running of holding the title kind of thing. And yes, I'm Mark Taylor. Um, see, I, I'm going to change my answers as we get further along. But I will say Mark Taylor was absolutely the voice of Firestorm for me for like 25 years. Uh, I'm sorry, the voice of Ronnie. Yeah, that's whose voice I heard in my head. And the same thing with Olin Soul. And that both of those changed in just the last couple of years. But the, up until that point, they were absolutely the, the, the distinct voices in my head. They'll always be the voices in my head. Yeah. I mean, has to be that way. So are there any standout moments from Firestorm's era on the Super Friends? I mean, you've mentioned the dinosaur episode. <laughs> any standout moments that really stick out in your head? Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's the, the episode with the death of Superman. Okay. And it was how Firestorm... It's like, this was a pretty deep thing I remember watching when I was a kid. And this is a precursor to the death of Superman in the comic books. So there wasn't even this idea of Superman dying ever. And then all of a sudden, there's this cartoon that starts with like a funeral. Mm -hmm. And I'm so, I remember being confused as a kid. This thing made an impact on me. And I was like, wait, what happened to Superman? And then this episode is somehow all about Firestorm, even though Superman is, it's about Superman being dead, it is 100% about Firestorm and how he feels completely responsible um, for what happened to Superman. And you know, they have this imagery of this dead Superman and, and Firestorm trying to like hold him in his arms and Superman's face is entirely green from this intense like kryptonite poisoning that he's undergone. And I just was horrified and I felt it. I felt what what uh, Ronnie Raymond was going through in that moment. And he was like, he was like flying up into space and having like emotional trauma. And he had Professor though with him to try and talk him down and try and rationalize what had happened and and make Ronald understand that like he wasn't at fault here for this situation. And I think that that like something about that scene and that relationship between the two of them really spoke to me. I mean, I that's what I wanted. I wanted like a father figure like that that was always going to be around with me and like help me in those impossible moments. And there it was, like in the most magical, fantastical way. Wow, that is very deep and meaningful. M- mine is so superficial. I'm just like embarrassed to even mention them now. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, I I'll go ahead and do it, but I I, I can't compare with that. I mean, the, there, there's the first episode uh, of the Bride of Darkseid, which with his enthusiasm and how I discovered him. I just it, it's a real standout for me. Then see again, I'm just embarrassed. Mine's like Bizarro Firestorm was funny. You know, <laughs> here, right. here. Bizarro Firestorm was awesome. Yeah, but but you're making this you're making this amazing emotional connection with the character and I'm like I love Firestorm Bizarro because he talks stupid you know oh geez <laughs> and my other note is Mr. Mixoplate calls Firestorm Fire Nerd which I just thought was hilarious so uh, there, there's a whole range of things of, of, of what you can get out of superpowers folks you can get the uh, the pathos of the death of Superman and then you can get Fire Nerd so you can get the whole range right there in Super Friends it's it's it's, it's a whole package and the reason that Shag said Mr. Mixoplate is because that's how they pronounce it on the Super Friends it is how it should be pronounced I understand 
should be pronounced. I understand, you know, the old, uh, the, the post-crisis version, but Mr. Mitzaplik is what he was on Super Friends, and that's what he still is to me. That's, that's how I understand it, too, but, you know. All right. All right, well, let's fast forward 25 years. So for 25 years, that's all we get a Firestorm, right? That's it. Then in 2009, some nerd starts a blog called Firestorm Fan. Mm-hmm. And then a year after that, he shows up on Batman Brave and the Bold. Coincidence? I think not. I don't know, Batman. Are you sure I have to wear this? Your body is now a living nuclear reactor. The suit will contain any residual radiation you are emitting. Who cares about the uniform? Ask him what he's got in the playbook to give me my body back. Well, maybe if you stop interrupting me. I was just, um, talking to the guy inside my head, who I'm guessing you can't hear, can you? So, uh, it was 2010. It was season two of Batman Brave and the Bold, episode eight. The episode was called A Bat Divided, and then he appeared on subsequent episodes. Uh, Firestorm and Jason Rush were both played by Tyler James Williams, and Ronnie Raymond was played by, and I'm going to say this wrong, I can't get it right, Bill Fagerbake? Uh, the guy who played Patrick on SpongeBob. I can't say his name. Yes, yes. Ah, this was so incredible for me. And it's like, to give you credit, Shag, I was reading the Firestorm fan blog back then. And it's 100% how I knew, like how I was ready for the episode when he was guest starring. Like you you kept me informed of that. Um, <laughs> At least I served the purpose for one person. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I remember it so clearly. I was living uh, in an apartment in downtown downtown Los Angeles at the time. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, I-, I was like really excited about this. And I was trying to explain to her what was happening. And I, I like wouldn't shut up. I was like, no, it's <laughs> been, it's been 25 years. It's 25 years. And now we will finally have this version of a firestorm and it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait. It's going to change everything. And like, Oh boy, she was annoyed with me. <laughs> she just didn't care when she watched it either. Um, so I was really pumped when this thing came out and I'd watched every episode of, you know, brave and the bold of the first season. And I, I had a, you know, I understood, I think where we were going to go with this style wise. My expectations were not that there was going to be some deep version of Firestorm happening on Batman Brave and the Bold. I was just really looking forward to see what they were going to do and how they were going to have fun with it. I, I was similar. I, I had made my kids watch the Super Friends episodes leading up to that. Uh, I was very excited about Batman Brave and the Bold. My, my wife, again, like like your girlfriend, couldn't care less. <laughs> She's, I think she watched it with us just because I had made such a big deal out of it, but let's, she got nothing out of it whatsoever. Uh, so this was a very different version of Firestorm, folks. If you haven't seen it, what you get is uh, Jason is a high school student who's, who's very smart, and uh, Ronnie Raymond is his gym coach. And they go on a tour of, uh, of, of, I think it's an atomic power plant. And because of a series of, of things that happen, there's explosions and stuff like that. Jason and Ronnie are merged. And so Jason is in the driver's seat and Ronnie is sort of the on-board uh, advisor, which was a very different combination. How, how did that combination work for you? Did that interactivity work? I was work? so confused with this combination. <laughs> when this I was so interested to see like where they were going. I definitely understood we were going to see Ronnie and Jason. And so I was like, cool, how are they going to do this? Ronnie being, it's, <laughs> Ronnie being this kind of football coach was, I mean, that's a very original idea that somebody had. I'm not exactly sure why the football coach is the person taking the students on a field trip to 
a nuclear power plant. They actually uh, answer that. He he's also just like in high school in many situations. He also teaches chemistry if for for a semester. He has to teach chemistry, so that's why he's the the faculty member there. Did they mention that in the episode? I don't. They even do. Know they do actually. Yeah, I watched uh, it uh, recently. And that's I, so yeah. funny. Yeah. Like, but they don't, I'm like, okay, so see, shame on them then, because I'm like, if you're gonna have him teaching any chemistry whatsoever, it's like he has to have some kind of a brain. So they they Ronnie Raymond they just created a complete dummy here and then you had actually this really cool version of uh, Jason it, it it felt like pretty authentic it was really cool to see him in action and uh, he was fun it's what I wanted to see from Jason uh, it's just like they do they, they merge in this way that it's just so weird because you're you're wondering what is what is Ronnie adding to this equation in this version it's like they don't set it up in a way where having Ronnie as a floating head is benefiting Jason the way that it it normally would. You're absolutely right. He's not guiding him with wisdom. He's not he's not doing much of anything. And it's like at least in this version, you would have needed to establish Jason as needing something that Ronnie has then, which they just they don't have enough time and they didn't do. It's like if Jason was really, really shy and really awkward and really couldn't communicate with any other people, and then like having Ronnie, who's a little bit uh more outspoken and forward with what he's saying, how he's established in this episode, and and they can kind of like layer their characters onto each other that way and and then have a transformation at the end of the episode like a metaphorical transformation <laughs> um, into like new versions of themselves and they just kind of missed those opportunities with how they did this You're, it's, it's, that's exactly what's in my notes too is I was expecting Jason to be timid and Ronnie to be encouraging him like go get him go get him but no not at all Jason had the initiative Jason uh, didn't ha- didn't have any problem going out there and kicking butt in fact he even he goes beyond even just being the science nerd. He he, know, he knows like football references and stuff. It really, other than comedic value and sort of the buddy cop personality, you know, team up thing. There's no, yeah, there's absolutely no purpose. Ronnie was like along for the ride more. Yeah, but there was something. I remember this in the episode too. It's like Ronnie had some control over the body. Like he could make Jason not go in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, or something like that. So they played a little Lucy with this and had their own rules for, you know, how this relationship would work between the two of them. Now they did, they did bring one uh, hallmark of the Firestorm character, which is being true to the personality, which was the conflict between the two people. They had that. So at least that did echo the original Ronnie and professor situation where they used to bicker quite often. So you got that at least Uh, beyond that, not a lot being true to the personality. Even Jason's personality was like, I love the voice actor. So we'll get to that in a minute. But the personality of the character was a little generic. Um, so I didn't really get the sense of like Jason that I got from the comics. So I didn't feel like overall, I didn't feel that true to Firestorm. Um, yeah, I'd say that's that's a fairly accurate way to talk about it. Now, they got the powers right. I mean, you got flight, you got transmutation, you got energy absorption and blasting, you got intangible. I don't remember seeing intangible, but I did look on a wiki and it was listed, so I'll go, I'll give it to him. <laughs> um, I liked how when he transmuted stuff, it like took a whole lot of effort. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't easy. And, and I think that was kind of cool was Jason trying to, you know, push his way through the powers and figure out the chemical reactions yeah. and stuff. And that was fine. So in this version, Batman teaches them how to do everything. Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's not really there. It's like, it's like Ronnie and uh, Jason are both kind of learning with a trial and error session with Batman. It makes a great montage. It really, it's like a very much a 1980s montage where they're, where they're learning their powers. Oh, and right. <laughs> I loved it. 
Um, and so in this episode, as in terms of the costume, like it's actually something that's created by Batman for the two of them to wear as a kind of containment suit, right. which is always kind of how the costume has has felt in a lot of ways, um, is the idea that it, it does look like it's somehow containing something mm-hmm. inside of the way that the headpiece kind of works. And so I, I kind of like that idea um, that went with it. But I think... You know, it's not consistent throughout the episode because <laughs> I, I mean, like what happens when they it's like, does the outfit then not transmutate with them? Do they separate and the outfit is still on one of them or where does it go when they separate? Uh, right. No, yeah, that's a fair point. It's, it, it, hey, that becomes a, a reoccurring issue with Firestorm throughout all of history. I mean, even in the comic book version. Yeah. You know, where did that you know, when Ronnie creates the outfit? Where does it go? The same kind of problem. Well, if he's if he's making the outfit and it's just something that he's transmutating, it makes total sense to me. But if it's actually something that's been constructed that he would need to wear, uh, uh, contain himself, I'm like, well, then you can't just make it go away. Or can you unless you're actually creating the... I this is um, this is definitely like a, a pointless train of thought. I was going to say I'm not sure applying <laughs> molecular uh, existence to Batman: Brave and the Bold is the best usage of your time. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, hey. I, I've had a lot of time to think about these things. It right, was 25 years before we got some firestorms, so I really got to dissect this. And it would still be you know another several years before we got more of him. Well, the, there are some pros to the costume and a couple cons. The pros are the costume does look great. It's basically essentially Firestorm's original costume, but they gave him Jason's chest emblem and his collar. He got you got the shoulder pads, the pointy shoulder pads. However, we lost the puffy sleeves, which uh, always breaks my heart. We lost the puffy sleeves. We got that flaming hair with the Kirby crackle, which looked amazing. Oh, it looked great, wasn't it? When you know they did one of these things when they turned into Firestorm that his Jason's build changes. Like Jason is small and scrawny, mm-hmm. and then when he becomes Firestorm, he he gets like a real like mature man's build. All right, of and the character looks great that way. He looks great. He's he's got a great build. Yeah, he's got the classic, but he's got like wh- he's got the white um, little emblems, uh, the, the white dots instead mm-hmm. of red. Dots. It, it looks great. And I love seeing Jason. Like, uh, I think Jason just looks super in the costume. He really does. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think he really fills it really, really well. And you get lots of floating head discussions. Uh, you even get jokes about how other people, I, I like how they acknowledge that other people can't hear Ronnie. They even crack some jokes about it, how they, everyone thinks Jason's just talking to himself, which right. is great. <laughs> like one of the, one of the best tropes you can do with Firestorm. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it should be done. Voice acting. All right. So we, we've touched on a little bit, uh, you know, uh, Bill, uh, let's just call it Patrick. So SpongeBob's Patrick as Ronnie Raymond. How do you feel like that worked? Um, it was, you know, that one was a little rough, I think. Uh, God bless him. God bless Patrick um, from SpongeBob, because that is fantastic. I mean, it, it's, 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 it just felt so left field from any Ronnie that I, knew. Mm-hmm. um, I guess it's like, it's like, he sounded like he would be kind of a dumb coach. Yep. Um, and that's, that's what they were going for with him. And that just didn't, it, it just didn't suit the relationship to the character. That's all. It was just such a weird choice. Right. Um, and I, I mean, his performance even more so like highlights the kind of like, that kind of deep baritone, oh, dumb. <laughs> and uh, it's, it, 
I was like, that's, that was the exact opposite of what I expect, like the counterpoint in the head to provide. Yeah. I, I will say the actor, did, I think the actor did a very good job with what he was given on the page. But yeah, that interpretation, whoever made that decision, I hated it. I, I couldn't stand it. I, I just, that's not my version of Ronnie. It doesn't make sense as the onboard advisor. Again, that's not the actor's fault. He did exactly what they asked of him and he did it quite well. Um, but yeah, it just he, didn't he, work. He does a fantastic job. Yeah. Now, um, Tyler James Williams, uh, you may know, you guys may know him as Chris on Everyone Hates Chris. I feel like he did an amazing job as Jason. Like he's really, I mean, he's my Jason. His voice is fantastic in the role. And uh, he also did a good job switching between the geeky teenager voice and the more confident Firestorm voice. He put a subtle change in there. And I'm really impressed with that. I couldn't agree more. I think he's fantastic. And this is definitely a voice that's it's held for me to give Jason a voice. I prefer this voice to Jason than um, other voices we've heard for Jason, which are, are way less significant than this one, I suppose. So yeah, he does a great job. He does a really great job and he does transform uh, his voice uh, into two kind of different things on the two different sides of, of Firestorm that he represents. So cheers to him indeed. So any uh, standout moments that are worth recommending to anyone? Um, from this episode, uh, I, I, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, that's okay. We covered, we kind of went through the episode. I'm yeah. Like, they're, they're, that's, that's all of the parts of it. It's fun to just see him there because you only are getting a half hour uh, of this and you get another appearance from him later on in, uh, in one of the tags. Yep. And, and that's, you know, fun too. That's in Dark Side Descending, season two, episode 24. And it's an opening teaser with Killer Frost. Right, right, which, right. And that was fun to see, right? Was fun to see, fun, that was the first time we would have seen Firestorm and Killer Frost together animated. And Correct. Awesome. And they made it Louise Lincoln, which I thought was kind of cool, uh, <laughs> even though she was sort of the classic outfit. They, uh, again, they painted Ronnie not in the best light as like a, a crappy boyfriend. I mean, almost a little Guy Gardner-esque at that point, which uh, was still disturbing. But it was super fun seeing Firestorm and Killer Frost together. And uh, that, those are kind of my highlights. Is this episode, the Bat Divided, and then that opening with Killer Frost. Those are the ones I'd recommend. And uh, if nothing else, it's worth it for Batman say, uh, calling Firestorm our little schizophrenic candlestick, which is great. That is a great line. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to move forward. We're taking a massive leap, not in time, we're only going forward four years, but we're taking a massive leap to live action at this point, folks. We're going to talk about The Flash from the CW in 2014, and then that will lead into directly to the discussion on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, uh, affectionately called Declot from 2016. <laughs> Firestorm, the merged superform of one Jefferson Jackson and Professor Martin Stein. Jefferson, 83% of the chemicals in this factory are combustible. Yeah, tell it to Rambo. I thought I told you to be careful. What's the use of sharing my intelligence if you won't listen? Stop bossing me around like I'm one of your snot-nosed undergrads. So on there, you've got Robbie Amell playing Firestorm and Ronnie Raymond. You've got Victor Garber playing Professor Martin Stein. And then later you have, and I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm going to do my best, Franz Drame, maybe, as Firestorm or Jefferson Jackson or Jax. So, uh, you know, put yourself back in your shoes. It's 2014. The Flash series starts. They're name-dropping Ronnie Raymond left and right. They keep talking about him over and over and over. And his story builds and builds, and it takes almost a full season for, for it to roll out. How did you feel when we finally saw Firestorm? I, I mean, I couldn't believe this was happening. I was beside myself. 
I remember reading, you know, I, I, I work in Hollywood and I read the trades and I remember reading the announcements in Variety um, and we knew that Flash was happening. And I, I wasn't even sure if I was excited at this point about um, Flash uh, because honestly, I had sat through 10 years, 10 seasons of Smallville. Okay. Waiting for all of these things that I wanted to see happen that I never saw happen. And uh, I was skeptical about Flash. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I loved Smallville actually. It was a lot of fun and I'm uh, a huge fan of it. Um, it just didn't hit all of the right buttons for me as, as a real DC fan. So now the Flash rolls around in 2014 and they make these announcements. And in the trades, you know, they announce Robbie Mel is, you know, going to be uh, joining the cast as Ronnie Raymond. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Wait, what? I was doing double takes in my office. I started calling people. I started going outside. It says Ronnie Raymond, Ronnie Raymond. They're going to put Ronnie Raymond on <laughs> I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So now The Flash becomes like my favorite television show. And look, there he is. They're dropping these little eggs. And and, and it's like, it's building up. It's the B story of the first half of the first season is like, right. what happened to Ronnie Raymond? Where did Ronnie Raymond go? Like, and who is this burning man as they refer to him on the show? That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I was... I was so excited every t- and they 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 leaked him, you know, very small throughout the show. So every time we never had too much of him, it was really very exciting. Like you were just like, oh, oh my God, it's it's Ronnie Raymond. And then, you know, a little later on, they they go to announce that Victor Garber is going to be making appearances as Professor Martin Stein. And, you know, now, now we're really jumping through the roof. It's like, what? What? Martin Stein? It's like, yes, okay, Firestorm is definitely coming. It's definitely going to be what we want it to be. And we got Victor Garber and we got Robbie Amell and I'm so freaking happy and you know and and I was what I was really happy about too was like I was like are they going to give us the costume because this is a show where they're giving all of these characters their actual costumes that's they're a good point like, yeah they, they weren't like hinting at it it's like in the pilot episode of the flash you saw reverse flash and I was like okay all right we're doing this we're doing this <laughs> you know? I uh I got very excited about all of this and you know well, I can keep going on about this, but you say something about this. What was your initial I'll reaction? give you guys, uh, if you didn't catch the episodes, a little background on what, what they eventually reveal. And it, again, they dole all this out over a long period of time because they say Ronnie Raymond is engaged to Caitlin Snow, who was working at Star Labs. And we knew from the comic books that Caitlin Snow was already the new Killer Frost. So it was like, oh my gosh, Ronnie, you know, Firestorm oh and Killer God. Frost yeah. are engaged. That's amazing. So we find out that Ronnie was caught in this blast at Star Labs, part of a particle accelerator. And he was transported along with uh, all these other particles uh, to meet up with Professor Stein who was outside and he was holding this thing called a firestorm and that's an acronym, CORE and that's what caused them to merge together and then they spent a year and at least in the showtime, uh, they said a year basically wandering around Central City in an in a almost near catatonic state as the Burning Man and so yeah, as they roll all of this out I'm, I'm losing my mind just like you are and it's not just Firestorm, it's also all the villains you know, you're getting Multiplex, you're getting Plastique you're getting tons of Firestorm villains being used constantly. I guess they didn't want to burn through the Flash villains too quickly, so they just they just said pull the Firestorm villains instead. I realized what was happening like uh, pretty early on in the show. I was like, oh, they're mining the Firestorm comic books for 
characters and content to use for this, to fill it out. I was like, that's so interesting. And I'll tell you, like, uh, on a personal note, it's like I have a friend. I had a friend at, at a point who was working on that TV series, uh, The 100 on the CW. Mm-hmm. And so I guess she was uh, friends with a bunch of people at the CW. And she gave me these, she gave me these giant, like, Firestorm books that she had picked up from the offices over at the CW. And these were uh, color copies of his entire run and oh, wow. uh, and separated into like real sections. And I was like, oh, wow, this is legitimately what they've been using as a point of reference. Like the writing staff all has copies of this and has been mining through, you know, episode by episode, like and putting these, this is how you get plastique in there, which is how you get uh, black bison in there. And, and <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh my God, it's like they literally were going to put every character that was on fire it was just like so obscure was all of a sudden all over the flash all over the place and i was delighted by this i really was same here and uh, let's let's jump forward a bit so you you even said it yourself so they yeah the beautiful thing about the flash was they embraced the craziness you know they said all right you know what sure all the code names let's do it all the costumes let's do it and they just grabbed it and ran it so uh, constantly week after week we're getting like the most crazy four color superhero concepts and they made it work so we're getting to firestorm and we're like oh my gosh we're gonna get Firestorm. They finally do it. Um, it finally happens. They, they they go through a number of permutations, but finally around episode, and I got it written down here somewhere, 14, we finally get a true Firestorm. And what was his costume? A big black coat uh, is what they get. Yep. <laughs> they gave him a big black coat and they gave him this uh, little device, which is, is definitely reminiscent of the uh, atomic thing, uh, symbol on his, on his yeah. chest. But yeah, that's all you get. And that was very disappointing to me. I did have a hard time with that. I was extremely disappointed by that. I mean, I understood that there were going to be limitations on certain things. It's CW television show. You can see where they put their budget in each episode towards special effects. And there's only so many you can do. So whenever you have Firestorm active as Firestorm on like a show on CW, that's taking up a significant portion of the budget. Right, exactly. To get him there, which in itself, and this will bleed into our conversation on Legends of Tomorrow, just limits the amount that you can do with him <laughs> uh, as the actual character because he is a CG character. He That's the way he's going to be done. That's the way it's going to work. <laughs> like I remember arguing with people early on and I, I can't remember if it was before they named Ronnie or not, but I either kept saying they're not going to do Firestorm and live action on TV because exactly what you just said, the budget can't, can't maintain it. But And you could tell because there was even times where, especially in those early episodes, where Firestorm would be there, but if he wasn't using his powers, he just was Robbie Amell walking around, probably with a shirt off or something. Uh, his hair wasn't on fire. His eyes weren't glowing. Anything. It was just Robbie walking around. And it's like, that's that's just, that's Firestorm? How does that work? It would disappoint me when, I, I mean, I got it. I knew that that was where they were limited in doing this. Yeah. I was like, yeah, uh-huh. You can't make him, not, it's like you can't, you won't be able to have him on the screen. I mean, there were so very few effects ever of him flying around. It was just a hard thing for them to really do and do well. And that's the other thing. It's like, it didn't look perfect. There's some corniness to it. I mean, and it's like his version is literally just the head on fire, the whole face like (laughs) on fire. Right. Which I totally understand also. Yeah, they they were clearly struggling with how to deal with the suit. And 
the special effects and well, I did I did read some interviews uh and also I, I met Robbie Amell and I attended a panel he was at a Dragon Con and he straight up said that they didn't want to and, and him especially did not want to be in the traditional Firestorm costume. He referred to it as the Ronald McDonald costume. Which took me a minute to process, and then I realized that I couldn't believe all these years I never put that together, that the red and the yellow does have some similarities with Ronald McDonald. And uh, so that was, it was kind of stung a little when I heard him, you know, refer to it that way. And it's like, oh, well, if you're going to take on the character, and everyone else on the Flash series is kind of excited about bringing in the comic book zaniness, uh, it kind of bothered me that he wasn't on board with it. I think um, really the thing that you have with Robbie Amell is like he had done some significant work on his body and he looked really good and he just didn't want to be in that puffy outfit, you know? <laughs> well, I do know, uh, and again, I, I, this is not insider information. This is stuff I got from his panel, Dragon Gone. He pretty much, and he, this was after he was pretty much done. Um, he did say that when they called him to be on hair and, you know, his cousin was already Arrow, he was really excited. And he thought, oh, okay, my cousin's Arrow, which is basically Batman, you know, on TV. So I'm going to be Nightwing. I mean, he was really thinking he'd be like a badass character like Nightwing. And instead, and he even says in the air, he goes, but I got Firestorm. So, I mean, he was clearly disappointed with the, the choice of character they gave him. So again, it was it was it was disappointing to hear that as a fan, and, and he was leaving the show sure. at that point anyway. But um, now we sound horribly negative, you know. I, at the time, though, I was super excited because I got even if it wasn't the firestorm I initially wanted, there were moments that were great. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of dipping ahead as far as moments that stand out moments. But when he when they first become firestorm in in episode fourteen, it's called Fallout. There's a moment where Ronnie and the professor merge. They grab hands and they come together. It's a great effect, and you see firestorm. His head is burning. You can see, you can still see Amel's face at this point. You hear Professor Stein say, Ronald. I, I got chills when yeah, Victor Garber said Ronald. Ronald. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then at the end of that scene, the Flash is running away and Firestorm flies with him. And Firestorm's flying and he does like this cool corkscrew, which is like implies that he's just having fun. And I was like, oh, and I just, I love that moment. It really yeah, felt like Firestorm to me. Cartoon a lot that I, I'm so with you. I was so happy when we got that. I really was, um, I was impressed, you know, I, I really was like, how are they going to do this? How are they going to do this? How are they going to pull this off? And then they did. And it was really cool. And I was really excited about it. And yeah, it wasn't perfect. They made some really odd choices with making Ronnie Raymond, um, kind of like a, a rocket scientist, a right on par with, uh, professor Martin Stein in terms of his brilliance. And they, you know, that that's how the character was, was shoved into this. So then when you did finally get the two of them together while they played a great you know, uh, juxtaposition between each other. They, they, they had that arguing and that bickering going on and it was a lot of fun. But like at the end of the day, you had like, this was, this also is not the Ronnie Raymond's that we grew up loving and reading about in the comic books. This is, this is actually more Jason um, when mm. you push comes to shove, but like they made it Ronnie Raymond, which is very interesting because clearly when we get into Legends of Tomorrow, they flip that again, but that's kind of what happened. So you automatically set yourself up for um, a little challenge there. You're just creating something that's not quite as much fun to play with as you're going to move forward with this character, in my opinion. No, you're right. I mean, they, they aged him up considerably and they took away the whole sort of impulsive making bad decisions aspect of Ronnie, which is what the professor's there to help balance out. And so it definitely missed that. Uh, in fact, Stein came off, uh, I rewatched Fallout the other day. Stein came off actually pretty rude at first. Now he warmed up, obviously, uh, and, and we're 
going to talk about Victor Garber in just a minute. But at first, it was yeah, the, the combination of those two wasn't it didn't it didn't translate for Firestorm as as the way it could have as as well. I guess is what I'm I'm stumbling all over my words here. Yeah, but, it's uh, okay. I feel the same way. I think they just. It, they did. They, they did something interesting with the character. They they did create some really original ideas and things. This idea that the character fuses improperly the first time he's introduced, and you know, Ronnie is kind of just stuck in there in in the head, and Martin is controlling Ronnie's body, and it's all very confusing. And so you have an angry Martin Stein. You have a Martin Stein who is kind of pissed off when he gets out of the situation. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Because he's been trapped inside Robbie's body and he didn't know what to do and he didn't understand that he, they both have thought, thought they had gone insane for like a year living on like the streets and eating garbage. And, and when they come out of it, you know, Robbie or Ronnie has missed a year with Caitlin and, and the Steins missed a year with Clarissa. Right. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, let's go into uh, those performances, though. Can I, we? Sure. I'll I'll start with uh, Robbie Mel. He, he looked. He, that's a handsome man right there, and he looks great. And I think he actually looks a lot like an older Ronnie. But I never, for one second, bought him as Ronnie, like the the Ronnie that we know at all. Yeah. It it just again, he he wasn't young. He wasn't impulsive. He was super nice, but there wasn't a lot there. I don't have a bunch. Of, I I, move, I want to move to Stein so quickly. So you, you say what you got about Ron, about Ronnie? <laughs> um, no, Ronnie was. It was. Look, I was just really excited to see Ronnie. I thought he fit the bell bill physically, uh, pretty great. And you know, the character unfortunately was written as kind of a just its own character. It really didn't have anything to do with the character um, from the comic book. So you just kind of accepted it and took it for what it was. There was a lot of homages that they put in there for him to have to the character that were fun to see when they would come about. Out and he does uh, he does a good job but you know it's like victor garber is a scene stealer he is oh god yes it is what it is uh victor garber is a veteran actor i have a theater background you know i trained um in theater for a very long time in my childhood and in college and i you know i loved victor garber just seeing him in all of these musicals when i was a kid growing up i had this obsession with the sweeney todd soundtrack which mm. um, he played uh, like the young ingenue, this character named Anthony, and then he's on the Godspell uh, movie soundtrack and, and movie, uh, and it's like this bizarre, uh, like seventies uh, film based on this obscure musical Godspell, which isn't so obscure these days. Which actually was written at the college that I went to, oh, wow. University. Um, but uh, yeah, Victor Garber in in Godspell, Victor Garber wears a Superman T-shirt. <laughs> entire uh, movie that's like what that character and and he plays Jesus and it's like I'm not going to get into Godspell right now it's the wrong audience but like there's definitely a movie movie where Victor Garber wears a Superman t-shirt the entire movie Um, (laughs) so look he is just a fine actor I've seen him live a number of times on Broadway and then I was like get out of here he's going to be on a CW show he's going to be on a show with like a bunch of like 20 some year old kids and he's going to do his thing and I love it when they put these guys on because they you know they're great they're 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 uh 
their experience really shows. Um, somebody like uh, Victor Garber or somebody like Jesse Martin, um, who plays, you know, Flash's stepfather on the Joe, show. Right. Um, Joe, yeah. He is just a fantastic actor, like with a lot of experience and a really great background that started in the New York theater scene. And I always just appreciate um, actors who have that background. I mean, uh, that's where a lot of these guys on The Flash came from, or theater people. Uh, so, you know, kudos to all of them. I think they did a great job. I think Victor Garber, like, gave more than you could have asked for of, oh, of yeah. Professor Martinstein. He literally felt like he stepped off the comic page to me. You know, from from just the personality, the the always feels like he's being interrupted, the the frustratedness. It's it, even the small like details, like the glasses. I mean, so much about his performance uh, and, and the way they carried him. And, and, and again, just all the props, everything about it. He was exceptional. He was so stinking good. And, you know, when, when it eventually becomes Jackson or Jax, you know, he never called him Jax. He called him um, Jackson, I guess it was, or Jefferson. I can't remember which one he called him. But it changed. <laughs> well, he called he called him by the formal name, whatever it was, right? Yeah. And because that's exactly what Stein always did. He always called Ronnie Ronald and things like that. And uh, I, he just, I can't gush enough about how amazing he was in this role. I, I can't explain why, but Stein's always been my favorite part of the Firestorm Matrix. I, I think it's just as a young man, I guess I, I connected with him, and now as an old man, I really connect with him. But uh, he yeah, he, he was perfect. I I mentioned earlier that the Super Friends characters were the voices of Firestorm for me, and I said it changed at some point. And yes, at this point, Victor Garber has supplanted uh, Olin Soul as the voice of Professor Stein to me. Oh, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that might be true for me too. <laughs> uh, that might be true for me too. I, I haven't, I guess I haven't read any new Firestorm in a while. Like when he, Firestorm appears in Doomsday Clock and like, there is oh. no Professor Stein though, um, to hear his voice in his head. It's like silence. It's like you only hear Ronnie's point of view. He's like, oh, the professor says, thank you, Superman. I take it you didn't finish Doomsday Clock, otherwise you'd be spitting at the same moment. Um, um, I guess I didn't actually finish it. I, yeah. I'm a little confused with what the events of Doomsday Clock had. Did they rewrite Firestorm into Stein being res- like intentionally wanting to become Firestorm? Yeah, we're we're not. I don't want to digress too much in the sorry. podcast. And then, sorry, <laughs> folks. Yeah, big spoiler here for it. But yeah, um, Professor Stein is the bad guy of the DC universe now. Um, so we'll we'll have another discussion about that someday. Yeah, well, just whatever, you know, everything gets rebooted in the DC universe every few years, so it's it's fine. He he won't be evil too long. I mean, didn't Hal Jordan kill, like, everybody at some point? Yep, yeah. they got better, so. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> so Stein is still married to Clarissa, I mentioned earlier, and Clarissa is not a horrible human being, which is a big change from the comics, but that was a beautiful right. relationship. Eventually, he gets a daughter when they get to Legends of Tomorrow, um, which I, I liked that sort of evolution of the character. Now, uh, it's worth mentioning, Jason Rush did appear in an early episode of The Flash when they were trying to figure out the details about Firestorm. They went to him because he was a student of Professor Stein's and they didn't exactly paint Jason in the best light, which is, I think, the reason that they did not come back to him when it was time to replace Robbie Amell. Uh, and, and when they went with Jackson Jefferson or Jax, they went a, went a different direction. So what, what the storyline was there, uh, Ronnie dies and Professor Martin Stein is falling sick because he was dependent upon this time of being 
being merged with Ronnie. So they find someone who basically exudes the same energies. Um, and so they find Jefferson Jackson, who substitutes for Ronnie, and he ends up joining the Matrix. And if you didn't realize it, folks, Jefferson Jackson was actually a character in the Firestorm comics. He was Ronnie's best friend, uh, fellow basketball player for many years in the Fury of Firestorm run. I, and I did not realize that. I realized it from reading your blog. And then I went back and flipped through those pages. And I was like, I was like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> right here. I was like, that's actually, it's like at least like cheers to them for keeping it in some kind of continuity with introducing a new player. Yeah, I think I agree with what you're saying about Jason. I think there's something that went down. Maybe they weren't happy with how that character showed up on the show and turned out. And it's like the use of Ronnie Raymond being kind of Jason-ish just led to this creation of Jefferson Jackson really being the more traditional Ronnie Raymond which is just kind of funny at the end of the day anyway, because as Legends of Tomorrow progresses, Jax basically becomes like the engineer and pilot of the ship. Right. So he he's not like a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> he's not like some dumb jock. He he's actually like the only person who knows how to f- like like finesse the wave rider or something in the absence of of what's his name hunter uh, right <laughs> but but i think they still captured the the good-hearted person who didn't always make this well well he definitely could fix a machine uh, he didn't always make the smartest choices so he he wasn't a teenager but he was still impulsive enough that i felt like it was the spirit of ronnie i felt like existed more in jacks than ever did in ronnie in the show i felt like it sure did and and then they got to kind of play more with what that relationship can be like it's just legends of tomorrow is such like a it's just such an off the wall show. It's just so crazy. And it got considerably more crazy, like after Firestorm exited the show. Um, <laughs> he was still kind of part of what I would call like the rougher run of that show. But it's it's really found its voice now and, and turned into something that has a huge fan base. Well, that- I, I got to say, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I'm sorry. Um, but I will actually come out and say, you know, you work in Hollywood, so you probably can't say these kinds of things. The first season of, of Legends of Tomorrow was unwatchable. I mean, it's... It's, it's genuinely bad television. It's uh, I, I've tried it twice. I, I've gotten through it. It is really hard to watch. And the beginning, right out of the gate, though, second season, I felt like the show figured out what it wanted to be. And from then on, it was fantastic. At least my take on it was I yeah. loved it from right then on. And, and it, in a lot of ways, it sort of mirrors JLI as far as the goofiness and the, and the heroes who aren't necessarily the greatest people. And they're not necessarily trying to do the most moral thing. But it turns out that they're helping people. Um I adore that show, again, starting with the second season. And that that's also when I feel like Jax and Professor Stein really clicked. I mean, look, I never thought Heat Wave would become one of my favorite characters. <laughs> um, right. Here, here we are. Uh, so, yeah, Legends of Tomorrow, like, gave some real cool voices, I think, to all of those characters and has literally introduced an entire new generation to Firestorm now. So all we can right. say is we're, we're living in a golden age, Shag. This is what we always wanted, you know? Right. Yeah. Little kids on the street, you know, know who he is. I mean, the, there was a Happy Meal toy, a Firestorm. Now it was from Brave and the Bold, but still there's a happy meal toy for firestorm that you've made it at that point that was, that guy's always in my christmas tree yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> so we get a costume we get a, we get a more more faithful yeah. costume what do you think we get a more faithful costume it's funny cuz like w- 
there's no discussion about that costume. It just all of a sudden appears Mm -hmm. at some point. Like he's just in it now and just magically is in it. So the problem is the costume still, you know, they went for a version of the costume and that really like, I feel like doesn't work without that headpiece. They, you know, they still went for the look with uh, his head just being on fire um, because Man, that headpiece is is a hard thing to pull off, I think. I think so, too. I would agree. You know, you need a budget. You need a real budget to pull that headpiece off. So it would be a while. You can't can't do the headpiece without the head being on fire at all times. They they came up with a really good gimmick on Legends of Tomorrow, which was that Jax and the Professor couldn't really merge into Firestorm safely on the Wave Rider without, like, blowing up the ship. (laughs) So, like... You know, they always had a reason to not be together. Um, mm. There were some, there's some genuine great like uh, moments of him in the costume when you can like really see it, and it looks like Firestorm, um, and it looks like you know Jason Rush kind of, and uh, there's some cool things, uh, but. They still haven't, they still did not nail it. You know, they did not get a great live action version. And it's like the CW, it can be hit or miss. It's like, I always thought like that Grant Gustin's flash outfit looked a lot better than Ezra Miller's. Totally agree there. Oh yeah. Uh, So, you know, even, even though they kind of even like made some, they kind of even addressed that on the crisis on infinite earths crossover. It was fantastic. That was um, hilarious. So, so the costume to describe it, I mean, the way I would describe it is, is basically it looks like molded leather uh, yeah. into like a motocross kind of suit. Like it, it would not look out of place on a guy riding motocross, you know, sort of thing. Right. That's a great way of describing it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, how do I describe this costume? Right. <laughs> like, so I, something just occurred to me. In every version of Firestorm, with the exception of live action, you get Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein who have their own distinct looks and they merge and Firestorm looks different. Firestorm is a different physical entity. You know, it, it, they'll have similar characteristics, but, you know, Firestorm and the Super Friends did not have the exact same build as Ronnie Raymond uh, on Brave and the Bold. Jason didn't have the same build as Firestorm. It, it became a different entity. And here, because you're dealing with actors, they simply just put the actor in the costume. So what if they had done something where, you know, um, where you've got Franz Drame and Victor Garber, and they merge, and then there was a third actor as Firestorm. That that could have actually been that might have actually been a more interesting approach to doing it, to be quite honest. Um, but hey, that would have meant having to pay another person to play one character. Uh, that's a good uh, point. That's a good point. It would actually increase the budget. I think this can be done. I think now it can be done. I think it could not have been done 15 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe. I think now it can be done, but you want it done right and you want it done with the real budget, which is why Firestorm really, really needs a movie. Okay. All right. Well, before I, we go to, I, I'm ahead of myself. Let's let's hold that conversation. We got a little more to touch on, so let's talk about the powers real quick on the show. So on the Flash, he pretty much just starts off with flight and fire powers. He makes a heck of a lot of fire all the time. Can't even turn it off really. They also introduced the uh, the 360 vision, which is uh, where Professor Stein's like, look behind you. I mean, that was kind of cool. I loved that. Right. Um, but you get, you know, I don't, I don't, I guess we get some energy absorption, maybe uh, in the Flash. I don't know. But it's not until you get to Legends Tomorrow, which is where you get the matter transmutation. Transmutation, yeah. And it gets, and it gets introduced in the first season. And again, I've, I've, I've said what I said about the first season. And it's right in the line with it. It like, comes completely out of the field. It's like, oh, by the way, we can do this. We can, we have wish fulfillment. We can turn anything into anything else power. Like, 
what the what? You know, they and- did do it in an episode. They cut a scene. They had a scene for Flash uh, season one that just didn't make it. There wasn't enough time for it. Oh, that's there, right. There's a scene with uh, Robbie and Mel transmutating a flower or uh, or something for Caitlin or uh, or a plastic flower, something like that out of something else. I'd forgotten. And yeah. They cut it. So, but yeah, I mean, that was just it. There was like Firestorm didn't have a smooth intro. Um, Jack's friends, Drame was kind of like haphazardlessly thrown in. I mean, let's just talk about the fact that Robbie Amell just disappeared uh, from the show. Yeah, I think he was offered to go on and do the spinoff for Legends of Tomorrow. I think he had other opportunities and things that he just wanted to go do. Um, And he did. And they recast the role quickly as they could, you know, have this fast. It's like, and they use Stein the first half of the season of Flash season two to kind of fill in now is a surrogate um, Professor Wells Mm -hmm. because he is now gone um, having been exposed as the reverse Flash. Um, Spoilers! Uh, you know, whatever we can spoil. If you I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's like in the first episode of the series. <laughs> uh, it really is. <laughs> so uh, you know, it, they they throw it together really fast, and they have like a very terrible way of. They do this really weird thing where when they establish kind of the premise for Legends of Tomorrow and Rip Hunter is going around gathering the quote unquote legends and building this team, Jack's has no desire to be part of any of this. Right. And uh, Professor Stein is like, no, I really want to do this. So he proposes a toast with uh, Jax and they take a drink and he drugs Jax and drags him onto a spaceship and takes him into outer space against his will. And that's how it starts. (laughs) Oh, man. Again, that whole first season is so bad. So bad. (sighs) So, all right, one of the things, all right, I got a couple other points to make because I I can't dwell on that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we talked about Ronnie and the professor needed this quantum splicer, this device, which is part of the Firestorm logo, to to merge. It was required for them to merge. By the time you get to Jackson, it's just part of that costume. They they just touch hands now. They don't use the quantum. It's like almost like they thought, let's not deal with that plot point. So they just moved on from it. But they, they are very insistent that they have to touch. Which actually leads me to probably my favorite Firestorm moment in all of The Flash and uh, Legends Tomorrow. It's in uh, Seasons 2 of Legends of Tomorrow. It's the first episode. And again, like I said, they, it really all clicked the second season, first episode. So they're in 19, or I'm sorry, they're in 1637 in France, and they're in this chateau. Uh, it's a two-story one, and Jax is in trouble. And he runs, and he takes this giant leap off the second story, and takes a, like a flying Greg Luganis-style dive. And he's diving right at the professor, and the professor's like, oh my gosh! And they reach up, and it, it, the Professor Stein reaches up, right as Jax is stretching down, and right just a moment before Jack's pancakes right into the ground, they touch hands, they transform into Firestorm, and they fly away. It's super dramatic. It's super fun. It's Jack's being the kind of Ronnie impulsiveness. It's Professor being like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? It, it is so perfectly Firestorm. I love it. It works. Yeah, I completely agree. That is a beautiful moment. Beautiful moment when he when they connect like that, and that's how they become Firestorm. I do believe that they use the splitter thing in the first season of Legends of Tomorrow. Um, oh, did they really? Okay. Yeah, there's an episode where uh, 
They did like their version of like a firehawk for like five seconds. Uh, the Soviet so lady he, who gets a hold of it. Yeah. He steals it and she tries to use it to by herself. I don't even remember if she's trying to merge with somebody, but it just, it doesn't work right for her. So mm-hmm. I definitely still had it as a device at that point. But yeah, then there came a time where I literally don't remember them mentioning it again or looking at it yeah. or referencing it at all. It's like embedded in the suit at that point. Yeah. The suit that magically disappears when they separate. Right. And then you're like, where did the suit go? <laughs> so I, I don't want to say this, but I feel like I'm gonna, um, or I feel like I should. Franz Drame, I, I loved his look. I loved his enthusiasm. I loved, you know, the the sort of Ronnie action oriented impulsiveness he brought to the character. I loved his sort of his his dependency on Professor Stein is sort of you know part of his. You know, he, he emotionally bonded with Stein. I, I enjoyed all of that. I just sometimes I felt like. Sometimes I felt like I was watching an actor read lines, unfortunately. Rather than believing him in the role, sometimes I felt like I was watching an actor. And it doesn't doesn't help when this young guy who's, I don't know, maybe 20 years old, standing next to Victor Garber, who you can't help but believe everything he says. So I, I hate to, to ding him in that regard, but I did have a little bit of a struggle accepting for that. So, But again, think about it. We got five years of Firestorm out of this. We got two years on The Flash, kind of, and we got three years on DC Legends tomorrow. So five years of little kids growing up with a real firestorm on TV. I mean, yeah. his profile had never been that big before. That's amazing. Think of who the audience is for these CW shows too. It's like, as much as I want to think that they were making those shows for me, they're not. Their core audience is really quite young. And like really young kids, like 13, 12, 13 year old, they love these shows. Like this is the right like amount of conflict soap opera opera and action for them. And now it's like, I'll have some conversation with a 12 year old and they like know who all of these people are from the flash TV show. And from the Arrowverse, basically, or CWverse. Right, yeah. It's a lot bigger than that now, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, think about the impact Super Friends had on us. And it was only two seasons of Firestorm. And now, five years of Firestorm. So, in, in several years, you know, Firestorm is going to be primed for a major comeback when all these kids are looking for him again. And I, I can't wait a whole for whole generation who actually thinks that Jax is Firestorm. Right, yeah. I mean, and that's fair to say. I mean, for the majority of people, I mean, it's sort of like when Jon Stewart was Green Lantern and Justice League Unlimited for a long time. You know, there was a whole generation that grew up where Green Lantern's an African-American. Why would you put a white guy in the movie, you know? And it's sort of similar with Firestorm that, you know, several years from now, it might make more sense that a Firestorm needs to be African-American and not a white guy because that's what we all know him as. It is how it is for, for the future moving forward. Like, we need to be open about these characters and about them being able to evolve. Right. Absolutely. And we are going to touch on that, but first we have to talk about one more major show Uh, And that is Justice League Action from 2016. He's a teenager, and he talks to himself a lot. The kid calls himself Firestorm. Fasten your seatbelt, Professor Stein, because the heat is on! The heat is what? The heat is on! Yeah, that's our new superhero catchphrase. Pretty cool, huh? What's not cool is this power plant. And there we get uh, Ronnie Raymond being played by P.J. Byrne and Professor Martin Stein played by, I'm probably going to get the name wrong again, Stephen Tobolowski. Ooh, that's probably wrong. Yeah, that's good. I think you got it. Okay, well, we'll just go with it. We'll say I did that on purpose. <laughs> 
And this version, uh, you get a very enthusiastic teenage Ronnie Raymond with an, a, a very mature Professor Stein as the voice in his head. It is, I'm just going to show my hand. This is the most faithful adaptation of Firestorm I think I've ever seen it's from the comic books. I feel like this one is the Jerry Conway, Pat Project Firestorm come to life. That's Or come to animation, I should say. That's what it feels like to me. How about you? Yeah, this is hands down my favorite version that I have uh, seen since it originally started um, on TV and probably, you know, and, and so much better than the original version too. It's just so much fun. It's so faithful. It, it really highlights things that we haven't even seen done with the character animated before that were what was missing from it. I, I love that like... Like Ronnie Raymond in this is is genuinely a kid. Yes, and that's what he needs to be. Even in the um, comic books that we read growing up, he's a very mature teenager, like physically that we see in the comic books. But I'm like, I think the way to work with this character is and it's very much what we see happening, you know, with Spider Man right now, or when you um, cast Tom Holland as Spider Man. It, it like that was almost the first time it was just so clean, so clearly nailed. It's like he's. A a kid he's a kid <laughs> and that's what we have on justice league action he's a kid and he is a dorky little kid and he's super like has no idea what he's doing and then you have this version of martin stein that is it's just great and their banter the way they go back and forth the animation is gorgeous um, we get the floating head, and the performances are spot on. <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier, so, you know, um, uh, Victor Garber has, has supplanted Olin Sewell as Professor Stein in my head, and PJ Byrne has supplanted Mark Taylor as Ronnie Raymond for me now. Because oh. the excitement, especially in that first episode, uh, Nuclear Family Values, where he appears, you know, the whole, the heat is on! And he, he's so excited to say it. He keeps saying it over and over. He gives commentary on himself. He, you know, he'll be like, okay, okay I'm not, I'm not going to say it. But really, that would have been a good time to say it. I mean, he's just genuinely funny. There's other episodes where he's on his phone texting and he's not paying attention to Superman and, and having raised teenagers. I'm like, oh, that is absolutely a real teenager. Oh my gosh. Uh, and it's just, there's so much joy that comes out of it. And these episodes, what the amazing thing is, these Justice League action episodes are only 11 minutes long. They pack, and some of them are they're only like three or four minute shorts too. They pack so much into such a short period of time. It is absolutely beautiful. The way, the way they structured it is just genius. It's incredible. Yes, if there are any parents listening to this podcast and you want to introduce your young ones to these characters, Justice League action is the best show that they have ever done um, for those purposes. It is so good for kids. It's so good for introducing the characters. It's so true to who the characters are. And they're so fun and friendly and funny and easy. It's just easy to watch. It's 10 minutes done. It's over. You're on to the next one. And they have a full understanding now of who these people are and who these characters are. So, And, and sometimes when they try and put humor into a quote-unquote kids cartoon, it's like, okay, that was cute. Cute, like Gleek. It's like, oh, that's cute, but it's not really funny. This stuff is genuinely like laugh out loud funny. It is really hilarious. 
Yeah, I was totally just watching some of these before we connected, and I was, I was, I was, I was very happy. Yeah. Now it's also the only time Firestorm's been adapted where they got his origin pretty much accurate. You know, it's it's they're they're at the atomic plant. There's terrorists there trying to steal some plutonium. Uh, Ronnie is held now. Ronnie's there on a field trip, which is a little bit different. But Ronnie gets held hostage. He gets thrown in a room. With Professor Stein. Their the grenades come in, which are basically explosives, and it causes them to fuse into Firestorm. I mean, that's pretty darn close to the regular Firestorm origin. So that was exciting to see that finally. The look is amazing. He's got this flaming hair, and it's massive. I mean, the flames are just everywhere. They're so big. He's got giant puffy sleeves, which glorious. Shoulder pads. Now, they, he doesn't have any briefs or anything like that, but that's fine. It looks kind of like some of the later Jason costumes, actually, like the Brightest Day era, or maybe the New 52, but it's just a nice, clean look. And he looks, and he, they give him these giant, you know, uh, eyes with, a, with still with the black circles around him he looks fantastic yes i think i have three action figures that i got from this line i was pretty excited <laughs> when it came out um they released like the mini little action figure he's like really tiny and then there was like more of like a six inch and then they had this really big giant one i have all of those as well <laughs> the little yeah, one sitting yeah. on my desk looking at me right now oh man and you're married you're lucky uh it, all of my geek stuff is crammed into one room <laughs> the rest of the house you would never even know a superhero fan lives here so well, well done well done Chad. Uh, my wife basically said uh, you can do whatever you want with your nerd crap in one room i'm like all right i'll make it work <laughs> well that's like that's very kind and friendly you got a whole room that's great happy wife happy life and uh, she's kind to me as well so you're killing it you are killing it at life so the powers were accurate we got to see flight we see blast we see transmutation we see him imi- going immaterial they they do the thing where you see the floating head him and stein have to touch in fact they do a moment sort of like um that one where he jumps yeah like stein or stein jumps at him yeah stein jumps at ronnie yeah which is like really fun because stein is like this in this version he's a little pudgy and a little small he looks very unathletic and you see him take this big leap of faith, like leaping through the air, like to connect to Ronnie and turn into Firestorm. It was very cool. So one of the greatest things this thing added to Firestorm's mythos is the heat is on tagline. And to throw the music strike with it, too, because like every time it goes, the heat is on, they're like, da-da. <laughs> and you're laughing because it's so damn funny. It's great. I love they do bits where fire, where Ronnie is just daydreaming, where the professor will be explaining something and Ronnie's off in his head thinking about something, which is great. He flirts with, uh, you know, he's got the hots for Star Killer Girl. Frost. He flirts with Stargirl. And it feels like very realistic flirting. Like he's trying to talk to her about like music and bands and stuff, and he's screwing it all up. So so Professor Stein is trying to help Ronnie with, with you know, meeting girls. He's doing the Cerno de Bergerac or Roxanne or whatever you want to say, trying to help him along. And, uh, you know, Ronnie's making lots of mistakes. He screws up. He, you know, there's one bit where he ignites all these toxic waste barrels on fire. Right. And, uh, and now the only thing I would say that maybe not be there is that there's no necessarily conflict between Ronnie and Professor. Their personalities are different and they're distinct and they have a lot of conversations, but they don't actually conflict. And that's probably because it's the, 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 the show is sort of targeted younger age. 
yeah, I mean, that is, that's all that's going on. They, you know, they, you want to see these guys in this version, you really want to see them getting along with each other. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, they're fun. They, they are a comic duo. There's the episode where they all uh, like lose their memories. And yes. It's really funny. It's like, because they don't know what's going on. And he's just like, where's my body? I'm just a disembodied head. And why is your head on fire? And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is great. No, they really get some like good, like they they show another aspect of Firestorm that is something that can be really fun to play with in a more lighthearted version, which is like, it's a comedy team. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a straight man and a, you know, set up and punchline. There's three particular episodes I'll give a shout out to. The first one where Firestorm appears is Nuclear Family Values. And that's the one where you get Firestorm's origin. There's the real introduction to him. There's the heat is on, all that business. It's really a great setup for Firestorm. There's also Field Trip, which is where uh, Firestorm, they, they put the teenagers together. Firestorm, Blue Beetle, like Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, and Stargirl are all taking a tour of the Fortress of Solitude. And they screw up and they free General Zod and the Kryptonians. And so they're they're having to fight. You know, the, the kids are trying to save Superman and, and the Fortress. Uh, Fortress of Solitude. Uh, Stargirl has this great line in there where they're trying to figure out, get Firestorm to create kryptonite. She's like, can't you use your nuclear magic? And then Firestorm's like, what? Did you just call it magic? And she's like, I'm going to be honest. We don't exactly get how your powers work. And it, it's it's <laughs> cute and it's funny. And then later on, uh, Ronnie's trying to analyze molecular formulas in his head and Stein's like dictating to him. And, it, and, and Ronnie just loses it. He can't absorb. Anyway, it's it's all so freaking clever. And the other one, and this this is interesting. They do something here that I don't know that they've ever really done, which it's called the cube root. And they reveal in this one uh, that Professor Stein and Mr. Terrific, Michael Holt, were college roommates, actually where Professor Stein was a grad student and Holt was a 14-year-old prodigy. Now, they've never made that connection before. But what you see is a rivalry, a genuine rivalry between Martin Stein and Michael Holt, Mr. Terrific. And Stein's being like really childish about terrific success. And I don't think we've ever seen that ver- that, that that side of Stein. And I loved it. I thought this was a great aspect to add to him. People always kind of forget about Stein. Like, you know, it's like you talk about, you know, the smartest people in the DC universe and it's like bad. Batman and or Bruce Wayne and Mr. Terrific and who's the other one? But it, it's like never, never Martin Stein. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. No. Uh, all right. Two more quick ones. There's two shorts and, the, and you can find these on YouTube though, in, in the fullness. Uh, one's called Chemistry and it, it's basically the whole thing's just Firestorm flirting with Stargirl. So if you got like three minutes and you want to watch it, do it. Absolutely. It's so good. The other one's Only called Reminiscent of when he used to flirt with Power Girl. Just That's say. true. It is similar to that. You're right. And he is sort of awkward in the same sort of way i hadn't thought about that yeah i feel uh, like it's a total homage to that <laughs> it's got in the jsa thing yeah it makes perfect sense uh and the other one just it's worth watching called true colors and it's where metallo is fighting superman and firestorm <laughs> firestorm keeps transforming the kryptonite in metallo's chest to try and make it inert but he doesn't really understand how kryptonite works so he keeps transforming it into more problematic things and uh superman keeps it, you know they makes a red kryptonite black kryptonite gold kryptonite all these different kryptonites that affect superman in different ways and it's genuinely hilarious and this show just shows why this character needs <laughs> there's such a good way you can write this character there's so much you can do with it it's quite endless so they do a great job on justice league action they really do the whole series is glorious i absolutely love it 
All right. So those are the four big versions of Firestorm. Um, we've got a big question we're going to tackle real quickly. I just will sort of reference. Uh, Firestorm has had a lot of cameos in different things. He was supposed to be in Justice League Unlimited, uh, the, the big Booster, El- Booster Gold episode. They actually was going to be Firestorm, but they changed it the last minute. He was in Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, which was in 2010. That was the Jason Rush version. Uh, it was played by Cedric Yarbrough for like two lines, maybe. There's the Robot Chicken episode. They did it. No, and that Crisis on Two Earths one, is it? Is it Mick Wong who's with him? Like, um, I don't think we even get enough of him to even know that, do we? It's like you hear another person's voice and they're arguing and it's just like, I think it's a two, two guys. I don't think it's oh, like, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I was just kind of like, is that supposed to, they don't tell you, they really don't. I just made an assumption that it's Mick Wong, which might be the only time we've ever seen Mick Wong animated. Not really though. Cause it's just, right. <laughs> I I, had, I I haven't watched that movie since 2010. I bought it, and it's, I, I need to bust out the DVD and watch it again. I should try it. I, that's an interesting thought. I don't know. Um, we got to mention, so Robot Chicken did a DC comic special in 2012, and Firestorm was featured in it in these little segments called Real Characters from the DC Universe, where they were basically mocking Firestorm's existence, uh, along with a couple other characters, including Mr. Banjo. And he there he is voiced by Alfred Molina, which is like, wow! We're talking Raiders Woo-hoo. Lost Ark, we're talking Doc Ock, I mean, such a, an amazing career. That's amazing! Um, yeah, no, I mean, this was, this kind of blew my mind when I saw this originally, because, you know, I was like oh i hope they do firestorm and then it surpassed whatever my expectations could possibly have been about using firestorm like he got he got his own segments entirely and so you know me being the hollywood person that i am um i did happen to um, make a couple years ago a movie with seth green uh i actually did seth green's directorial debut uh, called changeland which uh the wonderful rob kelly uh has done an interview with me and Seth Green uh, that he's going to be um, having out soon on his Film and Water podcast. And I'm really looking forward to hearing that. Uh, But suffice to say, I got to spend a lot of time with Seth. And I immediately, I think one of the first things I asked him when I met him was what was up with Firestorm um, in the robot chicken. (laughs) And he said it just sort of came out of an idea in the room of how this character who arguably is cool doesn't get any credit for being cool. And so they and they basically wanted to highlight they wanted to highlight those ridiculous other real characters in a way that made it funny to put Firestorm out there basically. It's like they weren't trying to make Firestorm a punchline. They really uh they thought he was a good character to use um setting up these other characters who are just absolutely obscure. And right. and what you got out of it was just really freaking cool. And then you had Alfred Molina playing him, which is just too cool. That's like, that's an amazing actor playing Firestorm. And and it's like they had Alfred Molina around on set. That's how that worked. He was already brought in to do the voice of Lex Luthor. Mm. Um, And so under the same SAG contract, you're allowed to have these actors do a couple more roles. Um, So they just threw him in there and had him do Firestorm also. Well, that's lucky for us to get just one more amazing uh, pedigree of actors there to uh, represent the character. That's fantastic. So uh, Firestorm also appears in the Lego DC 
comic superhero The Flash, which was a uh, Lego animated movie. It was the Jason Rush version. It was played by Phil Lamar. Woo-hoo. And then uh, you've got a couple other mentions you want to point out, right? I'm just like, these are these are other places I've seen Firestorm on my television. Um, one of them is definitely on multiple episodes of The Big Bang Theory. There has been a Firestorm action figure prominently displayed um, in an area in the apartment that the guys live in on that show where Firestorm makes many an appearance, um, which I always thought was just really, really cool. And then the other thing I'll say is there is a documentary that just came out called Clapboard Jungle. Um, it is a documentary kind of about navigating the independent independent film world. Um, it's something that I am interviewed in and uh, I make up, you know, a good portion of, of some of the talking heads in the movie. And so when I was being filmed for this in my um, house in, in Los Angeles at the time, I just kind of strategically positioned uh, this Firestorm uh, figure in, in place um, by my shoulder. <laughs> so if, you, if you watch this documentary, you could see the you could see a trailer. You could look up a trailer for it on YouTube and you can actually see me in the trailer. And if you pause it, you can actually see Firestorm hanging out uh, by my shoulder. That's awesome. He's like your own floating head. He's my own floating head. That's exactly right, Shag. (laughs) I tell you. I love that. Oh, that is amazing. Well done, sir. Showing your true uh, nuclear fan credit there, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So question to ponder. Now, assuming the next opportunity uh, for Firestorm is a reboot, you know, separate from uh, Declot, uh, what uh-huh. would, if, we, if each of us had a choice, what would be our next steps for Firestorm in live action, specifically? We're, you know, are we talking solo movie or TV? Are we talking a team? Are we talking, you know, what, what incarnation? What, uh, what's your thoughts? I mean, if I was in charge of uh, DC's uh, cinematic universe, extended universe, I would say that Firestorm really needs a movie to do him justice. I think putting him on a team in a movie or approaching it on a television series isn't how you need to do this character. This character is arguably the most powerful character in DC Comics. He's fairly omnipotent. He needs to be able to show that. And 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 then on top of it it's like there are there are things surrounding Firestorm that we just haven't seen done that we really should see right now. Jason Rush should have a chance at taking the mantles and and being this character in in a big screen way. There are lots of ways to bring all the other characters in, but like this character needs to he needs to find life in a way that can be supported by the budget that can make all of the things he can do the whole story that you're watching. I mean, that's what we need. And then you can finagle him in this extended universe into other movies, onto a team. But you can't just put him on a team without establishing this character. It's too confusing. Like, um, just like you were saying that joke that the the characters make to him in... in uh, Justice League action um, about we don't really understand how your powers work. Mm-hmm. You, you need to give just the proper amount of time to deal with what this character is and what he means. Um, he's a hard character to do. It's like, where do you go with this? How do you deal with a character like that? And I think what's interesting about it is the idea that this is a character that learns and grows. What you need to see with Jason and Stein, who is the combination I would put in the movie, is essentially what Marvel did with uh, Peter Parker and Iron Man. Um, Oh, okay. I want to see a kid. I don't want to see an adult. I want to see like a 14-year-old kid who is thrust 
with this power, this, you know, for lack of a better term, this responsibility that he doesn't actually know what he's supposed to be doing with. And that's part of, you know, something that all of the other characters in DC Comics always recognize about Firestorm is he's a kid, but he's really powerful. It's like, we really want this kid on our side. We really want to make sure that this kid doesn't develop any bad habits. Like we, and it's like, he doesn't know how powerful he is. I think that's part of the point. Mm. His, his own powers are always being tested. His own limits. He like, he never knows. It's part of how he is in the comic book. He never knows. He never knows. I mean, not to mention Doomsday Clock again, but we finally saw him transmutate organic material in that story. You mentioned you mentioned that series again. You're never going to be invited back. So just learn your lesson here, buddy. <sighs> I was just excited that he was back in something, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I thought something was going to happen with like Dr. Manhattan because they clearly have the same set of powers. Yes. Um, oops. All right. I won't, I won't mention it again. But that's what I think really i think that's what would work um you know you can put him on something on 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 an hbo max show or back on the cw but i don't think that's what i I don't think that that's what the next step on this character should be now i'll I'll share my vision quickly now first of all i I don't work in hollywood so i'm i don't have a good thought process for this i i want to see exactly what you described your version is better than mine i will share what i had uh i will take (laughs) i will argue one point with you you say that he needs a full film to develop and for them to show him I would argue that Justice League action did it in 11 minutes. So I think it could be done in a team thing. Because I, I, I'm, I'm more cautious. So I feel like they have to put him into a team film to get him out there. Like I have a little bit of security blanket to support him. Like, oh, look, uh-huh. Batman's here too. Or something like that. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. But I think that you could put him in a team film to get the attention of him. And yes, I agree it's got to be a movie for the, for the budget. To make the hair work. The, the burning work. The, all of that stuff. Because it's got to look right. If, you get, if you're going to do the headpiece, the head's always got to be on fire in my opinion, all that. And ironically, or not ironically, interestingly, a lot of our stuff matched up. I also agree it should be a young Jason Rush. I was thinking 16 or 17, but I think a young Jason Rush, the way he was in his own series, probably around issue, like when Stuart Moore, right when Stuart Moore took over. Uh-huh. He was probably a little older than that when Stuart Moore took over, but he was still a young man who wasn't a scientific genius. He was he was, an, he was a smart kid, and he worked hard, but you know he had a lot of bad luck. Things didn't go his way. He made a lot of bad choices. He was still very, very impulsive. That's the Jason I want to see, the Stuart Moore version of Jason. Again, aged down a little bit to about 16 or 17. I want to see him paired with Professor Stein. I want to see mostly the classic origin. I mean, I want to see that, you know, it's an accident, that they they don't belong together, that they're two completely different people that have no business together, but they've got to figure out how to work together because the world needs them to. And I want to see that version of Firestorm. And throw in a whole bunch of the Justice League action fun. Throw in the Jasons reveling in like, woohoo, look at me. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Tom Holland. You know, Tom Holland brings a real joy to Spider-Man that I think that, you know, we would look for here. Oh, okay, wait a minute. I know. We tap into the Shazam zeitgeist where you've got, you know, an adult's body with a young kid inside. It's Uh, wish fulfillment for kids. That's why that works. And I, I mean, Stein does something different than those other characters right than um shazam or other 
kind of child uh like characters like stein creates this like consistent babysitter that is there and in some ways also understands that they're responsible like if jason is 14 and stein is now in this weird relationship where jason is insisting on continuing to be firestorm and going out there and playing and having fun and stein is just like I'm responsible for your life. <laughs> yeah. I'm the adult here. Like I have to explain what happens to you if something happens. And it's like, it's, it's not really forgivable if something happens to you. Why didn't I take better care of you? There's all this pressure that kind of goes along with the juxtaposition that you have a kid and an adult together that are forming a superhero. And it's not a team like um, a Batman and a Robin. It's they're the same person. Right. And I think it's one of the situations too, by the way, uh, from the casting perspective, as you're saying about the two people being one, I think you do cast a third in a film situation. I do think you cast a third person to be Firestorm because if you've got a 14 year old or even a 16 year old, you don't want them being your Firestorm. It doesn't make sense because then it's too obvious that Firestorm's a kid. I think you get, uh, you know, a 20 year old to play Firestorm. Well, at that this point. is all a question. I mean, hey, this is a real good question of like, how, how, how cool can we make Firestorm look? What is that going to take? What is the visual effect process? How is it done? Yeah. And then you figure out kind of what the, who the face is that's going to go with that. Firestorm can essentially be a blank face. I mean, uh, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't need to resemble either person. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't think I want to see like a CGI kind of generic looking person. Uh, I'd rather see a, a recognizable, I, mean, I don't mean like a celebrity, but just a, a recognizable face that you could, you know, make an action figure out of whatever. You'd want to use Jason's face. Like, you, you'd want to figure it out. I mean, yeah. just like Thanos is clearly Brolin's face. Okay, there you go. That's a good. That's a good way to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing that I think Firestorm has opportunity to explore is some cultural things that we actually get a plethora of, of, of diversity from the comic books, maybe not intentionally, but it's in there. Whether it's, I mean, the idea of having an old Jewish man and a, a young um, African-American boy, like having to understand one another is a whole story unto itself. And if you threw, I don't know, black bison in there and you really rewrote that story to really actually deal with some 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 cultural issues um, that are happening with Native American culture, then you have a way that you can thematically tie three things together to that you're making a point, basically. You're trying to make a point about you know, people being the same people are people, people need to all respect each other. People need to have the same love and respect for every other human as, as they would. And, and, and it kind of gives you like this palette to work with where you can explore some of these questions through these characters all in one story. That would be amazing. You roll in the socioeconomic differences as well. And it just, wow. I mean, that you go beyond telling, you know, uh, people punching each other and making giant rubber duckies to telling a real powerful story, a human story. That's, that sounds fantastic. That's the idea. I think that's what we. I think that's what you're missing. I think that's why you want it. It's why I wouldn't want to go with a team. I think that there's a lot of story that you want to cover that really should just go to Firestorm, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's personal. That's how I feel. I would not... Who, what, what team movie would you want to see him on? Who would you want to see him out there with? <laughs> I, I, I was just thinking a Justice League kind of thing, but forget it. I want to see your version of Firestorm now. So forget everything I said. I You're want to see your movie. 
Um, all right, well, let's go make that, buddy. <laughs> so before we walk out the door here, we do have to mention that, you know, Firestorm, we've talked about how popular it is. I mean, Killer Frost, it's possible that she is as well-known or maybe even more well-known than Firestorm in the general public at this point, which is crazy to think. But if you if you step back from it, I mean, Flash live action. She, Caitlin Snow's become a major player. She's Killer Frost a lot now. She was on Justice League Unlimited, Batman Brave and the Bold, Young Justice, Batman Assault on Arkham. She was on DC Superhero Girls and Justice League Action. She was on Harlequin, she, uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, Suicide Squad, uh, video games, all of these places. So. Killer Frost is really, really out there, invisible. Yeah, there's a severe lack of uh, strong female characters in the DC uh, pool. And, you know, they're clearly trying to remedy that as time goes on. But Killer Frost has kind of always been there. And now they've, you know, they've pulled her out of Firestorm and they projected her into a bunch of other things. (laughs) And, you know, as is the case with all of these DC female characters that become really likable, they turn into good guys. Right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's a it's it's a trope that you see time and time again in nerd culture where they make a villain so interesting they have to become the hero. Yep. So the probably the next most uh, person recognizable maybe would be Plastique because she's actually appeared in Justice League Unlimited, Smallville, and the Flash live action. Uh, and then and then as we mentioned, the Flash live action show. I mean, they really mined the whole Firestorm thing. In addition to Killer Frost and Plastique, we also got Multiplex. We got Sand Demon for God's sakes. Um, we got Henry Hewitt who was human, not Tokamak, but it's still the same character. They did Black Bison, a ton of them. And let's not forget, like, the biggest Firestorm uh, villain appearance, Slipknot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I did. I completely forgot about Slipknot. That's you right. forgot about Slipknot. He's not in your notes. I mean, he, I mean, come on, Slipknot, his moment in Suicide Squad, he made a, he, he threw a rope in the air and he, he tried to get away. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Slipknot, the patron saint of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Oh my gosh. Oh, Slipknot, Slipknot, Slipknot. Um, the character with the cool name who totally made it into a movie before Firestorm. So there you go. That is so messed up. That is so messed up. So messed up. So Slipknot, he made it before all of them. Slipknot. All right, folks, I thought this episode was going to be an hour, so clearly I did not uh, anticipate how much Corey and I just had to gush our love for Firestorm uh, in all these various appearances. This has been an absolute blast, Corey. I know if people want to learn more about you uh, and your films, they can see a complete list of that on IMDb. Uh, I got to tell you, this has been really special and a lot of fun, and I hope you got your, uh, your nerd on here. I got my nerd on in such a great way. Thank you so much for having me, Shag. It's like a real delight getting to nerd out with somebody and talk about the thing that I am so passionate about. All I can really say to you is the heat is on. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, Truth and justice and see a land in there. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. The heat is on! Woo! I'm sorry, I, just, I love saying it. It's crudely put, but yes. It really takes us back, huh, Prof? That's right, Ronald. Back to when I built this plant. 
I just brought it online when thieves invaded looking to steal plutonium. Grabbing a kid on a field trip for a hostage. Mainly me. You know, even though I was just a high school junior, I was no slouch in a fight. Until I stopped fighting fair. Then, there was a big boom. Superhero. The heat is. I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna do it. But I like saying. I mean, that would be appropriate for the timing to do it.